Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How are you all doing? Getting through the week? Looking out for yourselves? Taking care of yourself? Taking care of those around you? Yeah? All right. How's your mental health doing? We're checking in on that. Take a second and actually answer that. Is there anything you need? Do you need to uh, socialize more? Do you need to actually say no and back away from some plans? Maybe you need to kind of restructure your thinking. Are you uh, dramatizing or catastrophizing anything? Are you keeping everything right-sized? Remember, depression tends to be either something in our lives needs fixing or changing, or we have a what they call the negative triad. We have too much of a negative uh, sense of self, others, or the future. And we don't know what's to come. And again, remember, our brain and thinking has a negativity bias that's protective. We tend to personalize, bias, catastrophize, and not root our thinking in reality. So ask yourself, is the story that I'm telling myself accurate? And is it right-sized with what's actually occurring? We tend to crank things up. Usually, we crank them down. Remember, scale zero to 10, anything five or above is about abuse or violence Otherwise, it's annoying and frustrating. We want to crank it down and kind of roll with it. Um, that's the global check-in. Got anxiety? Ask yourself, am I really giving weight and meaning to the resources and coping that I have access to and taking advantage of that? Uh, you know, if we're feeling a lot of anxiety, it might be a sign that you are appraising the severity of a situation to too much of an extreme. And um, you need to, again, right-size it and say, should I be as anxious as I am? Is it that big of a deal? Am I catastrophizing? Is it even probable? And let me also recognize that I maybe have a lot of resources and coping available to me. And that's how we kind of work with the anxiety and the depression. That is, that is but a mere snapshot of a far deeper process, but I'm just kind of throwing that out there. So again, a lot of our thinking is what leads to depression and anxiety, faulty thinking. So just ask yourself, am I catastrophizing it? Is it even probable that that will happen? Um, you know, I have access to resources. And again, remember with depression, um, we, we tend to do what we call behavioral withdrawal. And so the work is about activating our social system and moving towards. You know, we're always living at a choice point where we're gonna move towards or away from. And remind yourself, just because you think or feel a certain way, that doesn't have to determine your behavior. But we tend to tie our behavior directly from our thinking and our feeling. It's called mood dependent. We don't wanna do that. We wanna be values and goal dependent. 
what are my what are my goals? Move towards that, ignoring what you're thinking and feeling, holding that lighter, making it more flexible. We have to learn how to hold our thinking and feeling lighter and more flexible. We're not denying it, we're not amplifying it, we're just letting it be and letting it be a mere companion on our journey, kind of taking it with us. But we don't have to live in it and from it because that's when we start to depress ourselves. Um, so really, you know, again, check in on all of that. That's, that's very vital. Uh, we're, we're talking about an interesting topic that came up out of a conversation. And I, I laugh because it was a multi-hour conversation and it was really, we were looking at, and then I found some articles centered around this idea that we get so hung up on looks that we do that to the detriment of really assessing other factors with individuals in our lives. And um, I, I was looking at a piece of research. This is going back about five years, maybe four. Again, I'm horrible with chronology, so maybe it was yesterday. It was either yesterday or it was five years ago. Uh, very polarized. And it was looking at how... <laughs> I shared this on the show once, and I laugh every time, how there's these dating apps that will go to extreme lengths to really try to ask questions to assess your compatibility, right? You know, uh, smoking, cleanliness, uh, pet friendliness, factors that really have nothing to do with anything because those aren't the cornerstones of a good relationship. You know, what kind of music do you listen to? It doesn't really matter because we don't often spend time just sitting around exclusively listening to music with people and we have more fluidity. But nonetheless, the study was looking at how <laughs> regardless of how incompatible you might be, and some of these sites will literally give you a percentage if they found the other person hot, it didn't matter even if they had zero compatibility because of how powerful attraction and chemistry is. Very understandable, but also very hilarious, but also something we need to interrogate further and not just think, well, this person's hot, I'm drawn to them, therefore I should be in a relationship with them. And therefore, I should make that relationship work at all costs. No, unfortunately, compatibility really determines that. And compatibility is a giant constellation of a lot of different factors and forces. But just because we're attracted to someone or want to be with them doesn't mean we can. And what do I mean by can? Well, you're up against what you're willing to do, what they're willing to do, and more importantly, what's co-created when you come together. And that changes partner by partner and person by person, right? So um, those are meaningful things. So we're going to kind of talk about that distinction. We talked about it once on another show, but I was looking at some new research and I thought there was some really interesting perspectives. So as to assess if you're one of those people who's overly driven by attraction to someone, which again, I'm not shaming. I, I ran a group once uh, and someone was saying, oh, I'm, I'm working really hard. I'm not worried about whether or not I find someone attractive. I'm just going on dates with people. And I thought that's not what we're trying to do either. Part of a romantic sexual relationship is guess what? Romance and sex. And that really is, you know, depends on having that attraction. So I want people to have access to that. What a strength, what a resource. So we're going to come back and talk about um, how to make sure that you are not one of those people who is or will uh, overly rely on chemistry and attraction to the detriment of compatibility, which is what long-term sustainable happiness is rooted in. So uh, meaningful. So stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right so we're back talking about the difficult topic of assessing compatibility and again it's not necessarily a show where we're talking about compatibility is we're talking about the different elements of the constellation so there's so many different takeaways from this topic you know, in the earlier segment, we were talking about what depression and anxiety are. Uh, there's so many different pieces. And I was sharing with you a study that showed that, hey, regardless of how incompatible we might be based on these algorithms, if they're hot, we're like, yo, we're all in. Power of attraction. However, it's a necessary thing evolutionarily, relationally. Imagine what would happen if we didn't feel powerfully drawn to someone. What would you do? You wouldn't do anything. And that's the point. If, you know, think of the context of your life, you have to get to work, you have to drink eight out, you know, eight hours, you have to drink eight glasses of water a day, you're trying to move your body, trying to spend time with friends, trying to work on your hobbies, got to get more cat food, got to walk the dog, the children need help with their homework. Most of us might not ever put time and energy into relationality. Attraction is that powerful force that pulls us towards, gets us out of the house, gets us on an app, makes us want to go on a date, spend money on a date. It also anchors us. Very necessary. So the initial stage of a of a courtship, I guess we'll say, if we're looking at it in a linear process, which of course it isn't, uh, is driven very much by lust. You know, lust and, test- and testosterone. It pulls us towards that person. That's what makes us walk across the coffee shop and ask them out. That's what makes us take our phone out and swipe around. Yes, loneliness does that. Uh, the romanticization of what partnership will give you also does that. The desire for borrowed functioning and fusion with another person does that. But that's lust woven throughout. It's a necessary thing. Then 
we move into more hormonal stuff. Well, that, that is really the dopamine and the lust, but then we move into more neurochemical soup where it's the dopamine and the serotonin. And of course those are far more complex than we really discuss them to be, but we're, we're kind of broad, you know, we're real, we're, we're being broad here and they have an inverse relationship. So the dopamine goes up, serotonin goes down. And what does that lead to another necessary function evolutionarily and interpersonally, because that is also what keeps us connected and pushing forward. We get, a little bit. And again, dopamine doesn't work exactly like this. It's a very misused, misunderstood thing. But we get a little bit of a hit when we see that they sent us a message, we get a little bit of a hit at the idea of spending time with them or connecting that draws us out, that goes up serotonin goes down, which leads to some obsessiveness, which is also a necessary evolutionary thing, which is why I'm very cautious when people talk about, I'm a love addict, I'm addicted to relationships. That's not a real thing. You might struggle to set boundaries, you might not know how to slow yourself down. But we can't be addicted. You might just be a little overwhelmed by a system that's operating in a very powerful way because we're supposed to be a little obsessive. That's the serotonin dropping. That's again, what makes you think about them, consider them, want to see them. And then we move into the attachment phase, which is when things kind of cool down a little bit. But I, I, again, going back to an example, I was running a sex and relationship group and someone said, why would we ever want to move into the attachment phase when things quiet down? Why would we not want to try to find a way or leave relationships and always stay in that early lust, that early dopamine and serotonin when things are just magic and we don't really deal with reality yet? Because those things don't allow for us to assess reality. That soup really has us ignoring compatibility, really has us ignoring red flags. And again, it's necessary because it's what is, is what makes us willing to connect, stay connected, go out on dates prioritize. And I said, because the attachment phase is what brings comfort and confidence and trust and familiarity and companionship, all the integral parts of longer term relationship that we are gifted with longer term relationship. Those early parts are fun, but they're very unstable and there's a fragility. And when they subside, what we're left with is whether or not we're compatible. And again, as we move into that, we do that work, we move into a lower level, more moderate form of, you know, energy and connecting and response to each other. Um, so it's necessary, but if we can at least call out these three different stages, the early lust, which is very hormonal and we're, we're just drawn to them and hungry for them. And the second phase of courtship where it's more romantic driven and we just want to see them and talk to them endlessly and they can do no wrong. Oh, I love everything about them mm -hmm. right now. The same things you love about them will be the same things you struggle with them. Oh, I love how they have, they have endless thoughts on everything. They always have something to say. It's so magic. And then it turns into, Oh my God, they never shut up. They never stop talking. Or I like how easygoing they are. Oh, they're so spontaneous. Everything's so easy. And then later it's, wow, they'll never, they can never commit to something. They're never on time. They're always just up by the seat of their pants. So there's always a shadow side to the parts that we like about them, but we don't worry about that in the romance phase because it's all about getting those serotonin and that dopamine going. And then the third phase is the attachment phase, which is what we're moving towards. And I want us to honor that, that it's not always going to feel as dramatic or as over the top or as fiery. That's not a bad thing. And that's when we really can start to assess compatibility, enjoy the earlier stages, but we tend to ignore and we tend to just be driven by, you know, spice and hormones and chemistry. And that's not bad. That's again, a necessary thing to pull and keep us together, but we don't want to make powerful decisions in those phases because we're not necessarily living in reality yet. And so early on, 
we should be seeing multiple people. We shouldn't be committing to anything yet because we're dating. Dating is seeing if we're compatible for a relationship. Dating isn't the actual relationship. Date multiple people. Give yourself time to assess. Remember, as I always say, you want to go through milestones with people so as to see what you're like as a couple. What is it like on a holiday? What is it like on a Friday? What is it like when I have a hard day? More importantly, most importantly, what are we like as a unit during conflict? I always say I can't assess a relationship until conflict arises. That's when we really learn the most about the two of you or more of you when you come together. Is that conflict moment. Um, so allow that. Don't be afraid of that. Normalize that and even seek that. Not too much, you know. But I don't believe that there's a, you know, too soon. I think it's great to find out soon, you know, can really soothe us and lead us into some trust. Anyway, we're going to come back and talk about uh, how we sometimes misread chemistry to the detriment of compatibility. And there's some interesting nuggets that we haven't talked about before that I thought were kind of interesting and some really powerful ways to really assess that. Whether you're single in a long-term relationship, married or not, these are very important, useful concepts. So uh, stick around for that. And then of course we'll be doing DMs. DMs are, uh, they come from our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, you know the drill, but stick around, don't go anywhere. We got so much more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and uh, talking about the power of chemistry. Wow, attraction's a wild thing. It leads us to make some poor decisions. Uh, also leads us to ignore red flags and some toxic individuals because that attraction necessary, built in, makes us keep considering someone, spending time with someone. But it can also uh, also work against us. So I was looking... <laughs> I think this stuff is amazing. I was looking at some research and uh, that's kind of where this topic came from. And it was looking at some of the uh, ways that people misunderstand chemistry to their own detriment. And uh, it was signs of making chemistry, I'm sorry, signs of mistaking chemistry for compatibility. Because again, remember, we're talking about it from the vantage point of all things important, but there are some factors that mean more for long-term happiness and sustainability relationally, and that's going to come down to compatibility. And before we get into the ways that we mistake the two, um, but again, this is a different entry point than the way we talked about it, I think last year or the year before, which I guess is far enough back. But um, remember, there's there's multiple levels, but I, I to give people a working reference or a metaphor, I give them three. Psychological, emotional, physical, affectional, sexual, and then social. Now, of course, there's more and there's a lot collapsed into those three psychological and emotionals. What is it like to spend time with this person? How much intimacy can they tolerate and do they want? What's communication like? What are our conversations feel like? All of that stuff kind of bundled up and there's a lot in there. We can pull those threads out, but we're just kind of shrinking it down for now. And then there's the physical, which is um, how much touch, uh, how much and what kind of eroticism do they want? All of those different pieces, how, how much do we feel drawn to them? And then of course, there's the important social. And that comes a lot, that comes up a lot for people that are maybe vegan or non-drinkers or sober, be more outdoorsy, more athletic. And that can be something that matters or doesn't matter. And that's why I think of it like three prongs on a stool. Uh, actually, don't think of it like that. <laughs> that's not how I want to say it. Or, or maybe you could, but it's more that idea, you know, it'd be great if you got all three, but you don't have to have all three. You at least want two. Because if you're only operating on one level of compatibility, what happens in those moments, which will occur, where that is offline or not really feeling accessible? For instance, if your only thread of compatibility is the physical, that um, you know, affection, sensuality, neuroticism feel really good and intact, what happens when you're done being affectionate or erotic? Or what happens if, due to 
medication, pain, disability, discomfort, lack of interest, you're not participating in those levels. And then you're only left with what we like to do together socially out in the world or conversation and, and shared interest. But if those things don't exist and the one thing you have, the eroticism, affection and touch and all that's not available, you got nothing. Just like if all you really have to build a relationship on is that you both like to do outdoorsy stuff, but what happens on the weekends where you're not doing that? Just no conversation because it stinks, no affection and eroticism because you're really disconnected in those ways. So ideally you have at least two, it'd be great if you had all three, but you at least want two. But anytime we're dependent upon one thing, one form of coping, uh, whatever it is, there's not, there's no real choice and there's not a lot of stability in that. So you want to assess all of those. But again, what tends to have more weight is the attraction piece and that can have us get in our own way, which <laughs> we do fine enough on our own without this topic being woven in. We often get in our own way. A lot of the work of therapy is dismantling all the walls that people throw up that prevent them from achieving all the different goals that they have professionally, health-wise, familially, relationally, whatever it is. So it's always really about expanding outside of that. So back to the topic, what are the ways that chemistry kind of throws us off? Uh, there's a couple really dynamic points in here because I think it's really good for us to have barometers, lenses, uh, benchmarks, different ways of kind of working through and understanding things. Um, so first off is if, if there's a ton of red flags and your friends are pointing them out and you're kind of bumping into them and you're seeing them, but you, can't, but you keep making excuses for them, and you're trying to convince yourself somehow that like, it's gonna be okay, it is okay, it should be okay, it will be okay, probably you're over-relying upon that powerful chemistry because you're so attracted to them and you're thinking, my God, that chemistry is so strong, how could it be wrong? How could this not be meant to be? But meant to be isn't a real concept. There's Meant to be says who? How do you know as determined by what? That is a false construct. That's not a real thing. There's a lot of people you could potentially be with. There's a lot of people you could potentially be attracted to, but we got it. We need a little bit more. Think about it. Let's let's use an example of like a car or a donut. You walk by the bakery and you're like, and again, I've actually had this happen. So let me use this example. Trader Joe's, God bless them. They have these, well, they had what looked like the most amazing vegan cupcakes which isn't hard to find for someone like me in LA, which by the way, there's a lot of vegan bakeries that will ship and they're amazing and they're usually uh, family owned. If you can find a black owned or black queer owned, which does exist, go have their you know vegan you know stuff sent to you. However, long story short, there I am in Trader Joe's. They're like, we just got you have this table where they put out all the new products and they had vegan cupcakes and I thought, Phew. and I looked at them and I was like, yeah, that's what's up right there. They looked, They looked attractive to me sitting in their little packaging. However, when I got home and ate them, they weren't good at all. I didn't like the consistency. I didn't like the level of sweetness. And it doesn't matter how attractive they looked to me. When I put them in my mouth and I ate them, and I was really relying upon compatibility, how compatible are they with my with the flavor profile I like, the consistency I like in a cupcake, I realized attraction's not enough. Odd place to stop. We gotta go, we gotta go for a minute. We're gonna do some DMs and then I'll keep talking about food and compatibility. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, so I've been dating my partner for six months, but we haven't had sex yet. He is way more inexperienced than me, and I don't want to pressure him, but I'm starting to feel like my needs are not being met. 
He's really shy, so I don't want to come off any other way than loving and caring, but maybe he's just not ready for someone who has a lot of sexual experiences. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with your sexual experience. It has to do with the fact that you're sexual. And whether you have a lot of experience or not, you can still be sexual. Our sexuality has nothing to do... Well, our sexuality has a lot to do with our experiences, but our, the presence of it doesn't. Um, this is someone who's shy. But remember, sex isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with sex. And it's okay to try to initiate sex with someone. You're not, you're not harming them. It is not harmful. Um, what I'm worried about is that you're going to start to shame your sexuality in response to their low to no sex drive, which maybe actually isn't even the case. I don't, I don't know what they're responding to. Maybe you're doing something that's making them think you're not interested in sex. I don't know if you're projecting onto them this idea that because they're not as experienced that they're anxious and as a result, you're holding back. And then maybe they're picking up on the fact they're holding back and thinking you're not interested in sex. That's a mess. So number one, the answer is always going to be communicate about it talk about it. Hey, I have a lot of sexual needs. I'm really attracted to you. I would love to be having sex with you. Are you interested in sex with me? And if the person says yes, say, great, let's do it right now and, and go off. Uh, we, have to, we, have to, we have to tell people who we are and what we need. I, I, I worry if that conversation hasn't been had that we might be making a lot of assumptions on both ends. So talk about it. Talk about it. The fact that they haven't had any sexual experience doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their sex drive or current sexual interest. Those are two separate things for a lot of people. But talk about it. Hey, it's been six months. We haven't had sex. So there's, I, so you can say to them, I don't understand our compatibility on the sexual, romantic, affectional level. And in order for me to be really committed and understand you and trust you, I need to understand all parts of you. And that's an important part of you. Our sexuality is, is far more expressive of who we are than any other part of ourselves. We can only talk so much. Our bodies take us to a deeper place in that way. So start initiating. Let the person actively say no thank you. Don't assume for them. It's actually kind of patronizing. Let the person say no when you initiate if that's, their, if that's where they're at. So initiate. I don't care what your gender is. Initiate. And talk about the fact that you want to have sex and, and, and try to ask them what it is they might be interested in. What have they thought about? What do they masturbate to? What do they fantasize? What do they want to, what have they always wanted to do? Partner up in it. If we can't talk about sex, we're not mature enough to have sex. And so again, communicate and find out what's going on. Hey, I want a lot of sex. We don't, we haven't had any yet. How can we make that happen? Then find out who they are sexually. What kind of things are you interested in? And then you start initiating. I say this all the time. If you want more romance in your relationship, instead of feeling victimized by your partner not being romantic, you create the romance you want. You want a romantic dinner? Plan one. You want flowers? Tell them. You want flowers? Go get them and put them on the table. Show the people. Create it. Request it. We're not mind readers. We're not stuck. All of these things are changeable. So if you want more sex, create it. If you want more sex, ask for it. If you want more sex, find out why it's not happening. If you want more sex, create more moments where sex can emerge, you know? So talk about it, do it, initiate it, and get more information. Because we're rarely as stuck as we think we are. Often we keep ourselves in those positions by being too anxious to step into what we want, to request what we want, and to interrogate why what we want isn't happening. But those are essential skills in a relationship. Because if you can't talk about sex, then you're basically telling me I don't have the ability to have truly deep, intimate relationships because I back off of things that make me anxious. And then I have more concerns about you as a relational partner. So I'm actually learning about you, not your partner. And you got a lot of work to do. So do the work. All right, y'all, you got a question for us? Drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you're worried about. Someone else might be too. We can help you out. It's always anonymous, always confidential. 
And if there's a topic you want us to cover or something you want us to circle back to, drop deeper in, let us know. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share because we got to unlearn a lot of toxic messaging and replace it with some healthier, healthier, healthier thinking. So um, spend a lot of time over there. But um, yeah, we got a lot more to come. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to a love line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Spend some time jamming out to that music, but don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. So stick around. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, before the DMs, I was giving you a very, very <laughs> Chris-specific example of how sometimes attraction and chemistry can cloud our ability to really assess on a foundational deeper level how compatible something is for us. And I was giving you this amazing example of food and I was saying how I went to Trader Joe's <laughs> and Trader Joe's for those aren't familiar is somewhat of a health store. I wanna give them some credit because they have a lot of products that are quite diverse and creative. They, they're really watermelon jerky, uh, birthday cake flavored popcorn, uh, pickle flavored potato chips. They really go out on a limb and often they, they nail it. It's kind of shocking. But point being, they had vegan cupcakes and I'm, I'm totally plant-based. It's for my spirituality. It's for my ethics. It's my feminism. I'm not about violence. I'm not about power over. I'm all about the environment. Our, our dietary choices probably have the largest impact on environmental you know, stuff and climate change. I'd, I'd advise you all to do the research. I think it'll be blow your minds. A lot of... Um, Grain and whatnot is fed to animals that are then, you know, food is taken away, but given animals that then we consume here in, in, in Western hemisphere. Okay. Anyway, point being, the cupcakes looked delicious. I was attracted to them, looking at them sitting in their packaging. And I was like, these are going to be good. Got home, ate it, and it wasn't compatible with the kind of levels of sweetness I like, with the consistency I like in the cupcake. It wasn't compatible with my mouth, with my taste, with my interest. Um, but, but again, I was, I was pulled in, but upon finding that out, it doesn't matter how good it looked. It just didn't fit into what it was I needed in my life. It, it, it just didn't hit right. Let's go with the car. No matter how hot or, or, or badass that car looks, if when you climb in, it is not comfortable. I remember my dad, he got this sports car once and it was so rad looking. It was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, but it hurt his back climbing in and climbing out of it because he was used to SUVs, which are easier on your back. You're not climbing down into them and it really hurt his back. He already had back issues and he didn't like the way it drove and he didn't find the seat comfortable. And like I said, difficulty getting in and out of the car because it was so low to the ground. So it didn't matter how attractive it was. It wasn't compatible with his body and his lifestyle and what his needs were. And we tend to do that with relationships. We have to focus more on what is our lifestyle? What kind of life do we want? What kind of relationship do we want? What's our vision? What are our goals? Do they fit into that? Because that's really what matters. That's the meat of a relationship. The packaging isn't as important. It is initially, and there's moments where we're glad we have it, especially if we're not getting along with someone, like thank God we're attracted to them, but that can't be enough. And the packaging sometimes throws us off. And so we don't want to rationalize, ignore, or illegitimize red flags or incompatibilities because we think they're hot and we're attracted to them. That is a misuse of chemistry. I know, it's difficult, it's a bummer. I have to say this to some couples, just because you want to be together doesn't mean you can. Not everyone can find a way to make it work. It just isn't like that. We are far too complex. 
The best couples therapist in the world can't make two people that aren't compatible work. Our nervous systems might be distinct. Our goals, our tolerance of intimacy, what we're even wanting in terms of a relationship or intimacy might be off. Someone wants something casual. Someone wants something serious. Someone wants to live in the burbs. Someone wants to live in the city. Someone wants kids. Another person doesn't. Someone's a heavy drinker. The other person's sober. Like there's a lot of things that can get in the way. And those things matter more for the quality of our life, but also for sustainability and in terms of happiness. So ask yourself that, am I getting distracted by attraction? Another sign, you have different values. Values matter a lot because those are the lens through which we make a lot of decisions about what we do with our time, how we live our lives, where and how we spend our money, where we wanna live, what we do with our downtime, the kind of friends we have, the kinds of things we talk about with the people we're friends with. All of those things matter greatly because remember, attraction is very much rooted in the romance and the sexuality, awesome, important, but that is a small percentage of the time we spend within a relationship. The other pieces have to matter more. So zero in on that piece. That was a big one. Here's another one. Love this one. Sit with this. This is a quote. If you had to attend the date with your eyes closed and with no physical contact, you don't know. Would you, would you even enjoy talking with this person? So what does that mean? We're taking chemistry and attraction and physical contact off the table. You can't see them. You can't touch them. We're blindfolding you. Your eyes are closed. Would you still enjoy being with them? Would you still want to spend time with them when you are left only with your emotional and psychological connection? Just talking because that's what we do with the bulk of our relationship. Ask yourself that. Also, sometimes we create these benchmarks, certain things we want to do. Would this person be someone you'd want to take with you on that road trip that you've been dreaming of taking? No, that's a problem. Think about that. Like, what's part of your vision? We all fan, we all uh, romanticize and fantasize about an event, a place, a scenario, a, a, a destination. Would you want this person to be a part of that? Again, we're trying to kind of like step outside of this attraction piece. Um, all right, we're gonna keep talking about it. Uh, but guess what? Later, later in the show, we'll be doing some DMs. So I uh, got a question for us. Bam, drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Got a topic you want us to hit. Bam, drop it in there. Something you want us to circle back, drop deeper into. Bam, bam, bam. IG page, Love Line. Love hearing from you. Always anonymous, always confidential. Helping other people out as you're helping yourself out. And past episodes of the show, because we got to build in that repetition, unlearning some stuff. We are channelq.com. It's where you want to go. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re listen, and share. Lots of great stuff. Stick around, though. Tons more to come. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back talking about how we are really good <laughs> at getting in our own way, especially when we're finding something attractive. Um, and it becomes a battle. I used a car and a cupcake example because, you know, that's how we do. <laughs> And those are actually two domains in which sometimes we throw ourselves off. I mean, come on, how many times have you all gotten and worn a pair of shoes that you thought just looked so good, but they were not comfortable and they hurt your feet and you got them anyway and you wear them anyway because you like the, you have an attraction to them. They're not compatible with your body, your feet or your lifestyle. You wear them anyway, even an event. How many times have you dressed not for the weather? because you, you wanted to be attractive. You felt drawn to something, but it wasn't really warm enough or cool enough for the weather. We, we have so many different versions of this. Um, but relationally, it matters more because these are, 
That really impacts our mental health. And those are larger levels of commitment. And remember early on, as I said, we go through these different stages and the early stages were flooded with hormones and neurochemicals. And, you know, they really kind of cloud our judgment and, and we're romanticizing and idealizing everything. And like I said, down the road, the things you love are the things you also wind up hating. There's a shadow side uh, to every element that you value in someone. And we have to be willing to take both. Um, and also early on in relationships, we're on our best behavior. Not only does this other let us off the hook because they're idealizing us and everything's cute to them in the beginning, um, but we're also usually on our best behavior because we're trying to what? Impress. We're leading from our best. We're holding ourselves the most accountable. And as we get more comfortable and familiar, we start to be willing to take more risks, more truth comes out. And that's the part of the relationship we wanna to wait to emerge to really understand whether or not this is someone we match with. Um, but I was doing, you know, we're, we're talking about chemistry and it's like, well, what even is that? It's a lot of different things, but the more important parts are similar libidinal and erotic energies and interests. Uh, how much closeness you want to have with each other? Are you going to text a lot? Is there depth to your texting? How often do you want to see each other? What kinds of things do you want to do? Like all of that kind of comes in how you feel when you're with them. And again, all of that's really important. All that's really meaningful, but we want to talk more about what happens between the two of you when you're doing those things, right? Because that's the compatibility piece. And what does this look like in practice? It looks like a lot of different things. Uh, how you feel about someone, uh, how someone smells, their smells. Um, how, how you hold each other, what it feels like when you're holding and touching each other, um, how you feel when you see their name pop up on your phone because they're calling or they texted you or they sent you a DM that's in there. Uh, the way they look at you, uh, the way they laugh, the, the way they hold space and presence around you. It, it's these intangibles. We, we can't quantify it. And I love that. The most important things in life we can't quantify. Like we're very obsessed with form. And so we wanna weigh everything and measure everything. And the most important things in life, trust, love, attraction, chemistry, we shouldn't be able to and we can't. And we don't need to. They're felt and embodied experiences. We can only reference them, write poetry about them and songs about them and try to reference them. Um, and we can't create it if it's not there, and I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be able to create chemistries that, that chemistry that's not there. You know, we can try to amplify it. We can try to have more access to it. We can try to demonstrate it more, but it has to be present on its own. Compatibility, it's a little more workable, right? Compatibility is something that therapy can do a little bit more with. Uh, do we have shared priorities? Do we have shared preferences? How do we manage our distinctions and differences? Because it doesn't matter if you're more similar or more different. It's really about the ability to manage differences and to just celebrate similarities. That's really what matters more. Uh, belief systems, right? Because that guides a lot of decisions we make, our values. Um, there, It's a little more tangible. Um, and, and remember, if you have high chemistry, but low compatibility, it's gonna feel, you know, it's gonna feel really spicy. Um, but outside of that, you're not gonna really value spending time with them. If you have high chemistry, but also high compatibility, well, that's ideal. Um, if you have low chemistry, but high compatibility, it's like a great friend, like a really great companion, but you're not necessarily gonna have a lot of activity in the affection, sensual, erotic areas. Um, 
and you're never going to find perfect. And there are some people that actually think that they think that there's this magic person for them and there won't be any difficulty and struggle. That's always the caveat is that conflict and difficulty is part of any partnership and that necessarily, and that doesn't necessarily speak to chemistry or compatibility. It's human nature, two separate people coming together, trying to kind of coexist and create this third. Cause that's what happens. Every partner you have, you create something else. And, um, your willingness and how you go about dealing with that is what matters the most. I want to read some quotes from this one article. I thought this was kind of funny. Now, I'm not saying it can't be this way. I'm just saying this is a little idealized. This is one author talking about signs of chemistry. Ready? Number one, they say, it's sizzling from the start. Then your eyes can't seem to disconnect. <laughs> the sexual tension is palpable. Their body language tells you so. You don't hold back. You cherish every moment you spend together. Sex with them is divine. Self-consciousness becomes the new thing for you. You desperately want to impress them. Being with them feels like coming home. With them, silence is comfortable and not crushing because you can be your authentic self. Oh, it goes on. Time flies when you're with them. <laughs> You don't hesitate to express physical connection or affection. You always want each other's attention. When you're with them, you pay attention. You remember the smallest detail about them, even when they don't actively tell you. This is amazing. It's like out of a book, literally, because it is. You have the same sense of humor. You notice the slightest things. You already behave like a couple. You already have a friendship. Your voice changes a bit when you talk to them. Compromising for them no longer feels like a chore. You always think about them. You know exactly what you need to do to make them happy. They make you want to be better as well. It goes on and on. And remember, like that's great if you can step into that, but that's not necessarily what it needs to be like. We have to bring it back down to earth a little bit. All right, we'll be back. Um, and then also uh, later in the show, we'll be doing some DMs. So questions, topics, drop them in the DMs, Loveline IG page. Stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, we're talking about chemistry and compatibility and just kind of closing it out. Once, you're, once you've worked through all that and you've decided, yes, this is someone who I want to try to form a relationship with, which is what we come to find while we're dating. Dating is to see if we're built for a relationship. Dating isn't the relationship. Date many people. And then upon assessing compatibility and chemistry, which over the course of time, right, compatibility is shown. You want to go through milestones, see what it's like. Uh, you form a relationship maybe in some form. You're like, all right, let's do this. And you know, in the beginning, you got all that love, but it's important for us to know what's coming so as to not panic. The second stage of a lot of committed relationships is one of what they call disillusion or letdown or the maintenance phase or the working through phase, and that's when stuff comes up. You know, Conflict is there, is this what I want? We're learning how to negotiate and how to manage. Don't, don't panic and say, oh, then we must not be compatible. Don't, don't bounce out because what comes after that stage is adjustment and, and trust and true commitment. And remember, trust is built when we see that our partner sticks with us through difficult and hard times. That's how we really get to learn that this is someone who's in this with us. Um, so don't misunderstand that intermediate working through difficult phase where we really show that. It's not, it's not a problem. It's not a sign something's wrong. And I like to call things out so that when people hit it, they don't panic, but expect that. 
Um, the honeymoon's in the beginning. Again, remember, honeymoon phase is when we're on our best behavior. We idealize and romanticize everything the partner does. We find everything adorable. We're ignoring the darker shadow sides. Uh, and that can last years. And then you get into some of that power struggle, trying to figure out who we are as a couple. There's some identity in there. Um, and then hopefully if you work through that, you stabilize and you're closer because of that conflict phase, that maintenance phase, that working through phase, you're closer because you figured out how to repair and have conflict in a way that helps you learn more about each other and become stronger. That's why that phase matters. That phase matters, but we tend to let ourselves off in a lot of these difficult times as though it doesn't count. Well, things were hard, so of course I wasn't on my best behavior. It doesn't count. Oh no, it actually counts the most. It's easy when it's easy, and how you are when things are easy doesn't really tell us if we can trust you and how healthy you are. How we show up when things are difficult matters the most. <laughs> that's when you have to be your best. And so that's what counts. And so you can't say, well, I was upset, so it doesn't matter that I treated you poorly. Oh no, that actually matters the most. How you show up when you're upset, disappointed, and frustrated demonstrates more than any other phase does to your potential partner and what's possible and in terms of health within this relationship and sustainability and happiness. So think about that. And this is something you do for yourself first because you want to see yourself be a positive influence as being brought into someone's life because that's the whole goal. Always making sure our presence in another person's life has a positive impact and not negative. Life is hard enough as already, right? So those difficult times are when we get, best get to show that, our skills. That's what we're prepping for. Again, when it's easy, it's easy. <laughs> Who cares what kind of partner you're able to be when things are easy? I mean, of course, it's a big red flag if when things are easy, someone's not able to be a good partner, but we really want to wait for those difficult times. And that's what I tell my clients in my practice. I say to my patients, like, now you really get to put your money where your mouth is. The bar's held high. Show them what we've been working on this whole time. You know, really let them know when times are tough, I'll bring my best. We'll work through conflict. We'll learn more about each other. We'll become better and we'll repair on the back end because we're trying to learn about each other. We're trying to learn, because again, it doesn't, as I say all the time, it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. That is what a child worries about. Fair is fair, who's right, who's wrong. We need to convince each other where it's a battle. That's how children enter conflict. Adults say, okay, how can we resolve this and deal with the hurt feelings? And then how can we learn from it? We're in it together. We talk about it calmly, lovingly, learning about ourselves, learning about each other. It's a transformative moment, so see it as such. Help your partner understand that that's what this is meant to be seen as. Uh, because those are the points that I bring up in therapy when someone says they're in a new relationship with someone, I'll say, tell me about conflict. Tell me how you and this person as a couple manage conflict. Tell me how you as an individual, as a partner, show up to that conflict. And that's where the work begins. And I'll hold the, my patients accountable to how their partner's showing up and I'll say, well, listen, we have a problem. Your partner, I'll say, is very abusive when conflict happens. They name call, they stonewall you and shut you down, they punish you with silence, they threaten to leave. This is someone who might not be healthy enough or mature enough to be your partner. These are not good signs, these are red flags. Let's see if they're deal breakers by bringing it up to them and seeing if they'll address it, own it, account for it, apologize and be better. But if not, it goes from a red flag to a deal breaker. So again, first start by assessing yourself. What kind of partner and person are you during those times of conflict? Where's your work? And then we look at them and say, how are they? And that determines whether or not it continues. <clears throat> that's a powerful time to bring your best adult self. That's what the work is. That's what the work is. That's where the work is. That's what we're working for, those moments. But again, we let ourselves off the hook as though it somehow doesn't matter. It doesn't count because we were upset. It counts and matters the most. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, DMs. 
uh, IG page, love line, put them in there. Topics, questions, things you want us to drop into, circle back. Uh, that's where all of our topics come from, things you guys are you know, asking for. You ask, I provide. That's that's the that's the rule. And then we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down for Love Line and click click on it. Binge post, we listen and share. Stick around, y'all. More to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend just recently told me she wants to move to New York and just start over, which absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, I lived in New York City for a long time. Great city. uh, You couldn't pay me all the money in the world to move there now. It's too fast-paced, too rough, too expensive. Um... Yeah, I've become a Cali boy. It's easy, it's slower, it's simpler, <laughs> better weather, people are happier, people are kinder. <laughs> so much easier. I'm not slamming New York City, it's just not for me anymore. Don't have it in me. Uh, so I get it, terrifies me too. If I was in a relationship with someone they wanted to move there, I'd be like, I can't do it. Uh, back to your question, you said, I don't wanna be stuck in a new city all alone with no family. Ah, you take a different stance. I'm okay with that part. I don't mind starting over, it's just the city itself. Anyway, you said, but I want her to be happy. Yeah, but I want you to be happy. No one's feelings are more legitimate or meaningful than anyone else's. I'll say that over and over and over. And in a relationship, you all solutions have to be mutually beneficial. In a relationship, there's no I anymore. Yes, you get to set boundaries. Yes, you get to do things just for yourself. Yes, you get to have boundaries and privacy. Yes, you get to sometimes make your partner uncomfortable because there's something you need. Yes, I want you to still have your own friends. Yes, I want you to still go off and do things on your own. But we, in a primary attached relationship, become a merged unit. It is a regressive piece. We go from an I and a me to a we and an us. And I know someone's in a healthy, committed, primary attached relationship when they start thinking about how things impact both parties, that's how trust is built. If you don't think in terms of how everything's impacting each other, trust is not built. And that person is thinking more so in terms of our American toxic individualism. Gotta do me, gotta worry about my family, gotta worry about my neighborhood, gotta worry about my country. Oh my God, we're talking about humans, worry about everyone, but in a primary relationship especially. So any solution within a relationship that includes 
people it needs to be the solutions have to be beneficial to all parties involved so your feelings matter too and you have a right to say i appreciate you want to go to new york but I don't, and I know it excites you, but it scares me. And so that might not be a reasonable solution for us in a relationship. What else could be? Because there might be other cities where you are at least closer to friends and family that are as dynamic and exciting, and that might be a little better for both of you. But back to your question, you said, I'm just so afraid of moving, and especially to a place like New York that just chews people up and spits them out. That's great, you don't have to. Her needs an interest in moving to a new city are not more meaningful or important than your needs to find something more comfortable and familiar. And so you have a right to say that. I appreciate what you're seeking. New York City is not the only place that offers that because most likely she has a fantasy of what New York is. She's never lived there. It doesn't mean it's gonna turn out to be what she thought it was. So whatever it is she's valuing in New York can also be found in other places and cities. That might also be more beneficial to you because maybe you know people there or it's closer to your family or closer to wherever you live now. So assert yourself and say, I appreciate you need that, but I don't. And you that and that becomes the work of being in a relationship is how the two of you manage two differing opinions. There's no right or wrong. It's about how you as a relationship manage those differences. And trust will be built in how it's managed and talked about. And if she thinks her needs and interests are more important than yours, you need to hear that and see that because that's going to happen again in the future with other topics. And it has to be, again, mutually beneficial where both of your needs are considered because no one's feelings or whatever is more important or more legitimate than anyone else's. So this is going to be a really powerful learning moment about what this relationship can tolerate, how strong it is, and how much your partner cares for you. But I also want you to interrogate your fear of New York because you've never lived there. Maybe it won't spit you out. Maybe you will meet amazing people. You're, you're making a lot of determinations without actually having investigated. Um, but again, no right or wrong in this situation. It's really going to come down to how do you as a couple process difficulties and conflict and differences. And that will help you understand how sustainable and healthy a relationship will continue to be. So there's a lot of meaning born out of how you manage this. So see it as such, truly see it as such. And that's, that's what comes up in these moments. It's not like, oh, well, this doesn't really speak to our relationship. It's just about relocation. Oh, no, no, no. Everything about this tells us how we are as, how we are as partners and how we will be in the future about things like this. So we're going to learn a lot. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Got some questions for the DMs? Drop them in there. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. We are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Binge, post, re-listen, and share. Spend the rest of the night focusing on joy, pleasure, and rest. We are working at 70% max. We're not trying to burn out, focusing on our mental health. Um, as always, thanks for hanging out with me. And uh, y'all enjoy the rest of your night. All right, everyone? Y'all have a good night. See you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.